Unlucky Frog Gaming Podcast. I'm your host Ben Porter, joined by my co-host Charlotte Porter. Hello. And welcome to our Aircon special. Indeed. Yeah. So we will be going over our experience at Aircon Five mm-hmm. or Aircon Twenty Nineteen. If you've maybe not been keeping abreast of the Aircons since their inception, um, that this is the fifth iteration of the convention but um before we get into the meat of aircon as it were um we do have a bit of housekeeping and a couple of news items to take care of so we have a new patron we do patron a new patron patron yes so for anyone that doesn't know for any new patrons we have we give them a shout out on the show so um oscar hartley yes yes is he perhaps any relation to our own Josh Hartley? He is indeed, I believe. I believe you once referred to him as Swole Angry Josh. He he <laughs> does carry that quality in yes. some of his pictures. Yes, yes. Yes, yes. Josh's brother. Yes, so thank you, Oscar, for your uh, patronage. Josh was not aware that you were a patron. No. <laughs> we had to inform him. Yeah, and we got, it was quite nice because we got to do the whole thing about, oh, Josh, we got a new patron today. And he's like, oh, okay, okay, who was that? Someone called Oscar, Oscar. Hartley? Yeah. <laughs> Ring a bell? Yeah, so that so that was a nice little surprise for Josh. Yes, so... For all of us. For all of us, it's always nice. It's always nice when people support us. Yeah. So, anybody's interested, check it out. Yep, um, we we don't charge anyone any money to do this. We, we all are in full-time jobs of our own, so if you would like to see us do more of what we're doing if you would like us to see uh, um improvements in what we're doing that can be technologically that can be going to more events because mm-hmm. that this all adds up then maybe consider looking at our our patreon um and we would be most grateful yeah. for any help helps. you can get absolutely um i do have a couple of uh, of news items to uh-huh. cover off um gamma the was a games trade show that's taking mm-hmm. place in uh, Reno in Nevada in the United States this week but we'll be covering that off in a bit more detail later on in the week once the, the events actually had a bit of time to happen we, we do have a couple of uh, of news items so first of all unless you've been living under a rock you've probably heard that Critical Role have gone to Kickstarter to raise funds to make an animated film Featuring, I think, the Vox Machina party, which was the original characters from the the first Critical Role campaign. And last time I had checked, it had made over £5 million and still has over a month to go. I believe it has broken all Kickstarter records. All the records. All the records across all of the industries and all of the uh, projects. It's obviously a project that people are very excited about um, and I imagine that it, it's a fairly big undertaking but considering how big and how popular Critical Role are, that they are a business in their own right. Did they need to go to Kickstarter? Yeah. 
I did look at the campaign because I saw you had it open and they do have a bit about why they're choosing to crowdfund it. Uh And I remember somebody had said that, it might have been Mark McKinnon, um, our roommate for Aircon. Yeah, he was was bunking with us. He was chatting about it and I think he'd said that they had approached um, different... Looking, looking for patronage, I suppose, or looking for yeah, an they, investor. Yeah, they approached a couple of production yeah, companies. And they wanted to take more control, I think. Uh, I'm remembering this conversation yeah. now, and I think what was specifically said was that most of the production companies that were approached wanted to essentially make it a Saturday morning cartoon, yeah, yeah. whereas they they wanted to keep the, the adult themes yeah. and content. Which is understandable, having come to that. I don't know how many investors they spoke to, how many production companies they spoke to, but they then decided to take it to Kickstarter, where obviously it's been overwhelming success. Yeah, well, I mean, I wish them all the best. Yep. We're we're not critical role enthusiasts. Our, our Tom, resident, on the other hand. Well, I was <laughs> just about to say, our resident <laughs> RPG guy, Tom Mannering, he, he follows critical role uh with enthusiasm, yep. it's, it's not my bag yeah. to to be blunt. I've I've tried to watch a couple of them. It's, it just doesn't resonate with me. But but it obviously resonates with a lot of people. Absolutely. Um, and I hope it all goes well, especially because it seems that every other week there's another Kickstarter horror story yeah. Yeah. Uh, to to talk about. Yeah. Um, hopefully this is not this won't this turn out to be one um so the other news item before we we dive into to our aircon coverage was that modifius mm-hmm. um have announced that they will be doing a tabletop role-playing game uh set in the fallout universe Ooh. and this is due to release uh 2020 i think okay. next year okay um so for those of you who don't know um Modifius have the license for uh, producing a lot of Fallout games at, at the moment. I know Fantasy Flight have produced a couple. Yeah. But um, Wasteland Ma- Warfare. Yeah. That's the one. That Wasteland Warfare yeah. is it's a skirmish combat game. Um, we we've had a bit of a dabble in it. We and did enjoy it. It was okay, but I uh, think we felt that Fallout Wasteland Warfare would do okay in a world where kill team didn't exist that's what i was about to say is that we were really excited about it and then we got it we had it we played it but then kill team came out and it just did it just overshadowed it completely and it it the the i know we're getting a bit off topic because we're supposed to be talking about the tabletop rpg but um without getting too in-depth I, I think we probably will do a full review and yeah. a full breakdown of wasteland yeah. warfare in the not so distant future um but it felt like one of those games where the the dice combat system um was just trying to be different for the sake of it and was maybe a little bit clunkier yeah for that but um that being said modifius are traditionally a tabletop rpg company so it'll be interesting to see what they do yeah. um with fallout in that context i think actually fallout will lend itself quite well to oh, yes. a, a tabletop RPG because it, as as grim as Fallout first appears, there's a lot of silliness in it as well. Yes. I think that there certainly needs to be at least a bit of scope for that yeah. within um, tabletop RPGs. Yeah. People just like to goof off in games like Definitely. that. Definitely. I'm quite excited about that one. Yeah, it'll be interesting yeah. to see what they, they do with it. Definitely and piqued my interest. I, I dare say it 
will probably be a bit more successful than Wasteland Warfare has been. Um, But time will tell. Yes. So, Aircon. Yes. So, um, this, this, I think, was the first year where they decided to have the, the convention run over three days. Yes. We, we've been to two aircons now, in, including this one. Last year was the first that, that we had went to, and it was just a Saturday-Sunday yeah. affair. Um, uh, I, th- I think it was open for the Friday evening for a bit of open gaming last year. I have no recollection. I think I think it might have been. I've got a vague recollection of that. But they, um, certainly it was open mm-hmm. all day Friday, but there were no exhibitors no, on the Friday. No. Which was a little bit odd, I found. Demo, some demoers were there, though, weren't they? There were some demoers yeah. um, and mythic games yes. and imagination games. They they had stands out with yeah. the exhibitor area. Yeah. So it meant that they were not confined yeah. to the trade floor hours, which were, I think, like 10 till 6, yeah. something like that. What I did really like about imagination gaming, Aircon had been in touch with the local schools. Yeah. And there was groups of school kids, you know, classes from schools had come down and were all playing games and it was it was it was crazy, it was great. Well, th- this this was the really good thing about it being on the Friday because I I imagine that logistically that would be a little bit more difficult a um, on a weekend yeah. whereas the kids are in school anyway. Yeah. Just take um, them out for the Yeah, just take them out yeah. and I think um, um, we didn't really get a chance to speak to Imagination Games, no. but they they have a sort of educational bent yeah. when it comes to games. So um, it's it would only be apt yeah, that the exactly. um, that any school children in attendance would be at the Imagination Gaming stand, and there's loads of them. Yeah, the wee school have, uniforms. I would have loved that as a kid. I would have I, loved to. I would have too. To go to, yeah, yeah, that's brilliant. Yeah, so it it was great in that regard, but at the same time, uh, we'd come down on the Thursday night. Yeah. Uh, we we drove down. Um, the Friday felt like a bit of a a strange day for us. I did feel that it was more an opportunity to game and also to catch up with people. But most of the people we'd arranged to meet weren't there on the Friday because they weren't exhibiting or they weren't. Yeah. You know. Um, but I, I, I did like it. it. It it felt more just like a. Oh, I'm I'm not casual, I'm not saying that I know. didn't enjoy it. It's mm. just that it felt a bit odd. Yeah. Because there were times where I was just sitting playing games, and because we were there with the press passes, part of me is like, maybe I should be, maybe I should be <laughs> doing something right now, yeah. you know. But um. But as you say, Aircon's emphasis has always been more on. Meeting up on mass to play games, so um, it was actually quite nice to to just spend a lot of time uh, playing games with friends, which which we did yeah. throughout yeah. the duration of the the event. Actually, the other thing that was quite nice as well um, was that because it was a bit quieter, we actually so we demoed uh, Reiki Busters. The thing that I really enjoyed about it, mm-hmm. and I'd explained this to them afterwards, was I love campaign type of games yeah you know I, I really do i really get into them but we only ever get around to doing maybe meeting up once every three months and so you, with with whom well with people we game with yeah, whoever yeah, we're doing okay. the game with yeah. we only end up meeting up yeah. you know because you can't get everyone together again yeah 
Um, and I was asking about whether this would work well as a two-player because actually if we could just play something ourselves because it felt to me more like when we played Borderlands together. This is Borderlands, and, the video yeah, game. the video game. Yeah. Because um, there isn't a lot of video games now that are couch co-op. You know? No. That's why we had to buy a second Xbox because... Well, we didn't have to, but <laughs> that was know. a decision we made and um, we will suffer the consequences for that. But I have really fond memories of doing that borderlands is as much as it maybe wasn't the best game i've ever played i have the fondest memories of it for the experience that it gave me playing it and working our way through it mm-hmm. but just to say so about borderlands that for you reich busters that was that, that was, experience on the yes, tabletop yeah definitely okay. um, and the thing that i i did say to them was there's been a series of games i won't name any but i have felt that they've been a bit hopeless like you play it and you feel as if you are just being whittled down until you die. Well, th- there's definitely <laughs> been a recent trend in tabletop games, particularly, I think, those that are coming out of Kickstarter towards punishing difficulty. And it's not its not even necessarily punishing difficulty, but it's its creating this, this sort of mire yeah. that the player has to in- endure. Yeah. And... And should get some sort of a com- sense of accomplishment yeah. through through coming out the other end of. Yeah. So you didn't feel that you were just walking through and killing folk. You know, it didn't feel like that, but it did feel that you could rise to the challenge yeah. that was presented to you. And I have felt some games, I've not felt like that. I For, for me, but the thing that I was most intrigued by with Reichbusters was the stealth system. Yeah. Um. Because every every weapon has a noise attribute, um, except for certain ones like bows, mm. knives, which you can obviously use them silently. And whenever you do anything that creates noise, um, you have to do a noise test. So so what happens is it, it, it tells you how many dice you have to roll. So for something like picking a lock, it's maybe not that many. But yeah. for firing a gun, like a yeah. Tommy gun, that's going to make a lot of noise. So you roll a number of dice, and then you flip over a card, and it tells you the the noise threshold yeah. that you need to stay below in order to not attract the attention, attention. of someone in the bunker. Yeah. Um, and what essentially happens is every time you fail one of these noise tests, you lose a turn, and there's a turn tracker, and halfway through it, there's like an alarm symbol. So it means that if you move quietly and use precision and are very careful about what you do, you've got more time yeah. to get to the objective, which for us was to get this this document. Yeah. Um, and of course, you can do it horribly wrong and go in guns blazing, but you will activate yeah. the alarm and then they all come pouring out from everywhere oh, yeah. and it is horrendous, yeah. but in like a really fun way. Yeah. Um, I think we split up for a little bit on After the Friday, that, yeah. Um, but I went with Iona, mm-hmm. who was with us for the weekend, to the Asmodee stand, and got to play Comanots. That's right. That's right. So, this is a game by Jerry Hawthorne, who I believe is the same guy that did Stuffed Fables. Oh, okay. Yeah. So it's um, it's played hat. Yeah. That um that published this as Madeira the distributor, um, and it's the same idea as Stuff Fables where it uses the adventure book mm-hmm. 
and you've got the map there. Yeah. And each of you have got these different heroes with different powers. As the name implies, you are one of a, a crack team called the Comanots, and what's happened is this scientist is developing this fancy new technology and um, in the style of Gordon Freeman from Half-Life 2 all went horribly wrong it created a massive explosion and the scientist is in a coma Um, but in order to rectify this this vacuum that he's created or this black hole um, you need to go into his mind and, and basically dredge the the information that you need from him to reverse this disaster, which sounds awesome, but it's really boring to play. Yeah, you skewed for disappointment because I've I've seen it and I was quite interested in it, but both yourself yeah. and Iona had said that you were a bit disappointed in it. Yeah, I mean the there there's a lot of story within it, which is good, but it essentially it feels a bit like a like a dull point and click mm, yeah. where you're basically just walking around a room picking up objects and then occasionally something appears for you to attack but even combat's not that interesting yeah. it just felt pretty dull i mean it was nice to look at mm. and i'm sure that that some people will enjoy it but i i found it quite a boring experience yeah. Which I was kind of surprised by, considering how exciting the story yeah. sounded. Yeah. Just, just, it was just quite a boring experience. It's weird as well, because you're going through his memories. Yeah. So it means that there, there's a world that's all fantasy, medieval yeah. style, because it's his high school years. So yeah. it's all his memories of playing Dungeons and Dragons. Yeah. And then you'll have one for when he finally goes into the tech industry and it's all futuristic. So it means also that all the characters have got different flavours. Like there's a cowboy, there's an elf with a massive hammer, there's a superhero, there's a sort of noir detective investigator type character. So do you feel it's maybe a missed opportunity? I think so. Yeah. It just just feels boring. it didn't feel like anything exciting was happening. Um, there was nothing that that really motivated me to keep playing. I don't feel like I'm missing out on anything yeah. by not playing it. And for a narrative-driven game, that's a problem. Yeah. So that that was my two cents on Comanots. Yeah. As we said, we, we took Friday at a fairly leisurely pace. Yeah. Uh, we played a, a couple of games with some other people. We pottered about... Um, Harrogate a wee bit. Yeah. And then we went back to the party mansion. Yes. To play more board games. Yeah, and that <laughs> that was essentially the the pattern of things for <laughs> for yep. most of the weekend. But um Saturday. Yes. Um, which is the longest yeah. day was by far the the busiest one. Yeah. Um the exhibitor hall uh was in mm-hmm. It was a hive of activity yeah. by this day, whereas on the Friday it was more or less like a a, a, a building site, yeah. if I can say that. Um, but um, you you are growing a human. I am growing moment. a human, yes. So you, I had to go home for a nap. <laughs> so you you had to dial it back a bit for the 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 Saturday morning, and you you joined us a bit later on. But um, Iona and I 
swung by the Ludicreation stand mm-hmm. at the in the exhibitor area, and we had a little look at Crisis. Yes. Which is very thinly veiled Brexit game. Okay. Uh, it's a it's a country in a state of financial crisis. Um, you you are like an entrepreneur mm. who is you doing what you do trying in your own way to stabilize the economy yeah. it's like a sort of futuristic looking game yeah. um resource management worker placement um i thought the banner looked quite bioshocky it does a bit yeah. there's a sort of sort fifth of, element yeah. bioshock type aesthetic to it it looks really cool mm. um but because you're you're in the country's in such a poor financial state what happens if you're not keeping on top of it is um the the state of well-being yeah can just plummet yeah. very quickly and it did and you end up with riots and all this horrible stuff um and it, it seemed like a pretty cool idea but it was, for me it was just a fairly standard resource management worker placement yeah. game that has the potential to end a little bit quicker right okay um, so I was a wee bit disappointed in that, and I mean, we we didn't spend a whole lot of time on that game, yeah. to be fair. So, um, and because the uh, Ludicreations being a, a, f- yeah. a French company, and um, to his credit, the the chap that talked us through it did a great job, but there was maybe a little bit of a language barrier there. Mm. Um, but uh. I think Iona was the same. We were not not feeling all that um, inspired by that. Yeah. But at the same time, I can see people that that do have an interest yeah, in worker yeah. placement lapping that up, yeah. and maybe enjoying that race against the clock. Yeah. Because I I know a lot of those sorts of games can be yeah. quite methodical. Um, they they can be a bit plodding in their yeah. pace. Yeah. So maybe having a mechanic that can suddenly yeah. bring the game to a halt. Um, is a good thing yeah, yeah but not not my bag i'm afraid so after that because this is when i arrived because you'd been playing that in the morning yeah um you were in a seminar i was um i i went to um john hodgson's seminar um which from I, idea to game yeah i think it had quite a long from idea to sketch to game or something like it that. was quite yeah. a long title <laughs> but essentially it was john hodgson talking um the audience through the 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 whole game design process because he he was um artistic director at cubicle seven for many years he's he's got loads and loads of experience working in uh, the games industry yeah um so has a a, a wealth of information yeah. and insight into um into how all those processes work um, down to the things that um, you forget like CE marks and things yeah, like that we had a really interesting discussion thereafter, he did give an example didn't he? He, he used the, the example of I think I think someone had raised a question about um, getting a game past the especially stringent standards that Germany because Germany has sets. the highest doesn't I think, it I think, yeah. I think for most things to be honest yeah. Germany has extremely high standards um, but for as far as games go 
they yeah. they have yeah. um, some of the strictest um, standards in place. Um, and he was we were talking about CE marks, um, and he was saying that because there's a lot of people who who don't have all this experience and don't have uh, you know like health and safety guys and financial advisors that they consult on all this stuff. Yeah. They're going on to Kickstarter with an idea and are missing some quite crucial things. Yeah. And he actually drew a very specific analogy with uh, with Mintworks. Mm-hmm. Um, and he, he said that that game uh, presents quite a, a scary prospect because it's, a, it's in a mint tin. In terms of risk? Into, well, yeah. I'll, I'll, un, I'll unpack yeah. that in a minute. Um, it, it's a scary little game yeah. because it's called Mintworks. It comes in a mint tin yeah. and there are counters in it that, that look, look like mints yeah. Yeah. and there are no CE marks. Or anything or, that or, says... Because yeah. suppose the other one is um, a small small parts, don't you get you know, you know get the CE mark? Well, I think it's it's not just the small parts that are an issue. It's, it's parts that look like food yeah. Yeah. that are in a food container. Yeah. So that... that it's things that you like because when he said that, I, thought, I would never have thought of that. Yeah. But that um, that that's allegedly all things that would be factored in that for yeah. safety reasons. Because <laughs> some yeah. kids somewhere will pick that up, will pick yeah. that up and put them in yeah. their mouth, and that was it. But we had we took this discussion a bit further with Mark McKinnon, who's obviously his game Rake and Ruin has just funded mm-hmm. and been manufactured. Yeah. Because um, I mean, I'll be honest. I, I don't know anything about manufacturing process. So who's you know we were asking him whose responsibility is it? If it is marked, is it the manufacturer? Is it you know who who's well, what? What does the stamp A say? And who's taking responsibility for it being stamped in the first place? Yeah. We did look into it. Mm. Uh, you need to have a CE mark yeah. on it, but it's up to you to check that it conforms, right. which is quite a scary one actually. Yeah. Because it means that you need to know exactly what you're conforming yeah. to when you put that mark on. And it means that if you've put that mark on and you don't conform and then something comes up and then it's investigated, that yeah. could spell big trouble for you. Yeah. Um, so it wasn't just all horror stories no, no, from, no. from John. It was a, it was just really interesting to hear him relating a lot of his experience. Um, and things that you wouldn't maybe have thought of ourselves, you know, because you wouldn't think... I wouldn't have. Well, yeah, like 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 the the CE mark thing, for instance. Um, but it one of the things that 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 he said that was quite interesting. He talked about um producing the Doctor Who card game. Yeah. And he said that um one of the problems that you often come up against with a licensed product is sometimes the person that you need to get approval from knows less about the the universe or the yeah. IP than you do. Yeah. I sneak bite your tongue a little bit. <laughs> I thought that must sting a bit, especially when it's inevitably like a, a nerdy guy yeah. or girl that that's yeah. that's having to to pitch the yeah. thing or get it through approval. But yeah. I just thought that was quite funny. That yeah. again, it's one of these things. Oh, I, I would never have considered that 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 could be a problem. Yeah, you just always assume people know what they're doing, so, don't you? Yeah. Can't assume anybody knows. What no, you, you cannot. So after John, what is a twenty-four hour? Asda, to your understanding, on the Saturday, um, as we said before, we we really seized upon the opportunity to walk around yep. the the exhibitors, exhibitors. and um, John Yanni from 
Gen 42 had emailed, he just sent out like a, a blanket email yeah. to everyone, just sort of, I'm here, looking forward to see you, that kind of thing. So I thought I'd make a point of popping by because I'd, I've I've never checked in with the, the Gen 42 crowd. Um, and the these are the guys that make Hive. Yes, I've never played Hive, but you see it in, it's in you see every it everywhere. collection, it's in every... Board, yeah. game muse- uh, board game museum, board game library. <laughs> the be the in a multitude board of board game yeah. museums that you've frequented. <laughs> yeah, um, and they'll be right. It's everywhere, um, and with good reason. You've since played it, and I played it, it and then immediately bought a copy of Pocket Hive because <laughs> I was so impressed with it. Um, it's it's a great little chess like game, yeah. um, but you've got all these beasties yeah. on the tiles that've got all these different powers. Yeah. Um so you've got spiders that scuttle around the edges yeah. and grasshoppers that leap from one to the other. But it it feels like it could it feels and looks like it could be from any time period. Yeah. yeah. It's not really that that stylized and it's the, the, the components have got a nice high quality feel to them. Yeah. It's the it's the same material like um like dominoes yeah, yeah, sort are of, made yeah, of. Yeah. They get and, and it's just quite satisfying hearing them all sort of chink together. together. Yeah. And and even just watching the your little bugs swarm out yeah. across the table. Um if I had one complaint about the game, it's maybe that the the artwork for the bugs looks and I know that I've just said it's timeless, so this is a little bit of a contradiction, but it looks a wee bit dated. Yeah. But um, maybe not articulating this very well. But what I was saying to Iona was that I, I would like if the bugs were a wee bit more stylized. Yeah, the bugs are pretty just standard. Yeah, I like silhouette of a of a bug. Yeah, yeah like yeah. it would look nicer if it was like a sort of scrimshaw. Yeah. Thing you yeah. know where it looked as if it had been engraved by someone two thousand years ago, like a hieroglyph yeah. or something like that. But that that's just me being a bit pedantic yeah. about how things look. But Hive is really, really good. Um, it's quite an old game as well. Two thousand and five, yeah. it came out, so it stood the test of time. Yeah, yeah. like was doing okay way yeah. before this board game boom came along. I was trying to think what we were doing, what we were doing that. But actually, Iona and I had went for a wander. We'd went out for a wander and ended up in Games Crusade. Yes. So we went up to Games Crusade. And I was very impressed with Games Crusade. It's it's a so this is the the local gaming yeah. shop for for Harrogate. A mixed bag of stuff. It's sort of like a toy shop. Come games, come all sorts of stuff. Um, but when we were up there, we bumped into Emma May of Immerse Studios. Uh-huh. She was demoing um, Quirk up yes. there. So she uh, winked at us and managed to get us to come over to demo because there was a a child that wanted to play it. And I'd played it, and Iona had never played it, so we thought we'll give it a go. Uh-huh. And it was the original one, so the original one's all just it's OG bit, quirk. Yes, yeah, it's, it's um, animals and stuff like that. So it was the, the the wee girl was obviously very nervous getting into it, but the whole point of quirk is that you make a fool of yourself. You can't play it without making a fool of yourself. So she came round in no time, and she was doing all sorts of stuff. But um, Iona then went back and bought two copies of it <laughs> because she loved it. So there you go. It was good fun. But yeah, so that was really, it was nice catching up with them. I do feel that I didn't get to play as many demos as I would like to. One of my favourite things at conventions is going and playtesting and, and trying demo games and stuff like that. I just really enjoy it. 
Um, and I didn't really get an opportunity to do that much. Yeah. The only game I really got to play test actually was Mark Stockton Pitt's uh, Forks. Now, was that a play test or a demo? It was a play test because it was part of the play test. Okay. Uh, play test UK. Sure. Uh, tables that were there this this year. Um, so Mark Stockton Pitt, uh, I believe, is the creator of Newspeak. And he's now working on his new one. Which I'm going to say, I, I I am not anyway ashamed to say I am useless, absolutely useless with numbers and maths. Games that involve that element, I, I just, I don't even, I'm like, that's fine, that's fine, I don't even know what's going on. Um, and the whole thing is about embezzling and trying to sort of create your own private fund of businesses mm-hmm. and things like that. But it's all based on... I can't remember what it was called, Morton's Forks or yeah. something like that. It's horribly topical as well, unfortunately. <laughs> yes, exactly. Um, but I really enjoyed playing it. As much as I couldn't follow the financial side of it, I still yeah. felt as if I could still take part because there's five businesses to choose from. And depending on what cards are laid down, the businesses that are um, are to invest in, if that's the or are more likely to be invested in, you move them on the board so you can see how things are moving. You might not understand how they're moving, but mm-hmm. you know that they are. So as much as I uh, didn't win, obviously, because I <laughs> couldn't get involved in that aspect, I still really enjoyed playing it. Yeah. yeah. Um, w- w- we had a good chat with uh, with Mark from yeah. at Radical 8 Games. Radical 8, is, that's is the name, name of his company. Because, yeah. again, it's a wee... Uh, cause yeah. he's a, he's it's like a, the square root of 8. Because he's a maths teacher. He that's is. what he does. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um... Uh, really cool catching up with him. It's the first time I'd met Mark, um, but we will hopefully have him on the show yeah, at some yeah, point. Yeah, looking forward to catching um, him in the future. And perhaps a wee bit of coverage of uh, of some of his games and some of the stuff that he's working on. Um, which is a, a this is the great thing about Aircon is that you actually get a decent amount of time to sit down with yeah. people, whereas UK Games Expo can there's there's a bit more hustle and bustle. Yeah, yeah. It's not that you can't do that at UK Games Expo, but it's a bit difficult to fit everyone that you want to. It's a different pace at UK Games Expo as well. It's because you're essentially dealing on an international level at UK Games Expo as well. So let will we just quickly round up the rest of the stuff we did on Saturday then? So we went to the Polyhedron Collider live event. Yep. Um. Now, unfortunately, there was only two of them could be there because had been um, Andy had been an accident. Um, there, there's there's some debate as to his culpability oh, within this, but, okay. um, but we'll not get into that. Yes. <laughs> um, but that was good. I that really might just be slander. <laughs> We're not slandering you. Seriously. We're not. No, I'm talking about other people. <laughs> I didn't. I did not make any comment about Andrew yeah. and his driving. Uh, but I really enjoyed that. It was nice seeing them live. It's the first time I've seen. No, well, obviously, I'd, I'd, we were you were part of the panel last year for the on the couch of Polyhedron Collider, but yeah. Um, I really enjoyed it. Um, raised some valid points. Good yeah, they they um they went a bit no frills this year, and they just decided to do a regular podcast mm-hmm. um in in front yeah. of an audience. I I I forgot to mention this when we were talking about Johns, but that suite that they put them in yeah. is horrible. Yeah, it was a horrible room. That <laughs> the it, wallpaper, the, the shape, but they've got. They've got shutters behind them as well, so the way that the sound carries yeah, in the room is really yeah. weird. They've got the disgusting animal print wallpaper. Yeah. Um, 
and th- th- this is a consequence of the venue getting a bit bigger. Yeah. Was that they they needed to have the the king suite, which is the bigger one downstairs, for the the bigger events. The tournaments and stuff. Um, it was more for like they had a couple of live shows oh, that that, yeah. that necessitated yeah. a bit more space, but I, I felt bad for them because it, it wasn't a great no. space, um, and I I think that. It must be difficult doing a live event, missing one of the regular lineup. Yeah. yeah. And I, it it did feel a wee bit like there was an Andy shaped hole. Yeah, the usual sort of in, mechanic. in the lineup yeah. because he he's he's quite a joker, Andy, and uh, but in quite an acerbic way. Yeah. So he 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 brings his own flavour to the yeah. polyhedron collider and um. It's amazing how much of a difference um, it made not having him there. Yeah. And I dare say it would be the, the same yeah, um, if Steve John had John. not been yeah. there because um, like John's like the archetypal straight man yeah. within that lineup. Um, I don't know what Steve brings. <laughs> <laughs> Steve, Steve. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Sorry, Steve. Um, but it's that's true of any ensemble. Yeah. And I think they did an admirable they job. They did, they did. Considering that they didn't have any of the recording oh, equipment. Because everything um, was with Andy. And and yeah. they didn't have him. So, I mean, hats off. Because they, yeah. they could have just cancelled yeah, it. Yeah, they could have. But they, yeah. they chose to go on. And um, that's as professional as you yeah. can get. Yeah. So we enjoyed so, that. Yeah, that was good. And then we went for dinner. And then... Well, I actually played some, some more games. Did you? Yeah, I did. How did you squeeze that in? When did you squeeze that in? Because you and I, Ona, were in town, remember? Oh, so we were. <laughs> I didn't just stand in a cupboard waiting for you to come back. I thought you did. No, no. Contrary to popular belief, that so does not happen. So what were you playing? Um, I, I ran into uh, Giles oh, from yes. both sides of my table. Yes. And we were corralled onto the, the Wotan stand. Oh, yes. Yep. Um, and we were invited to try out a game called Brexit, The Real Deal. Okay. Um, which is a game that Wotan are hoping to take to Kickstarter imminently. Oh, right, okay. I think it's Tuesday. Right. Because I think it's the day after the Brexit vote. Okay. So it's um, it's called Brexit The Real Deal, and they're looking to publish it on the 12th of March. Right, wow, okay. So it was just the two of us playing it with the creator... Overseeing, um, whose name escapes me, I'm afraid. Um, but it's the the premise of of the game is that in the aftermath of Brexit, the United Kingdom um is breaking up. Okay. So you have Republic of Ireland, Northern Ireland, Scotland, England, Wales, and Cornwall. Okay. Uh, have all decided to go their separate ways. Um, so naturally, they need to divvy up the pie. Yep. So you're essentially jostling with other countries to to get these trade deals. So you think, okay, sounds interesting. There's, there's quite a few people having a go at Brexit games at the moment. Yes. Yeah. Um, in various ways. The I I have to say, can you Brexit by Fabled Lands? Yeah. Dave, Dave Morris and Jamie Thompson yeah. is the. 
the the best one yeah. that that I've seen so far because it's it's purely from the perspective of one character. Yeah. And it actually serves to illustrate how horrible and yeah. messy the whole process is. The other thing though as well is it's not so much about the process or the, the whole thing is about staying in power as Prime Minister, isn't it? That's the whole objective of the game. It's not about presenting a plan as such. Well, because it, if we're talking specifically about Can You Brexit, yeah. um, it's a choose-your-own-adventure book. Yeah. So you choose to, to play it yeah. the way that you want to. Yeah. So I guess success is a subjective a thing, thing yeah. there. But um, anyway, um, just saying that to say that other Brexit games do exist. So yes. it's, um, so you're, so Brexit the real deal, you're um, jostling to get these trade deals and the way it works is you you have cards with different values on them I think and they, they've got a little bit of text on them that will say beef or something like that and then it'll have a number that's three or two Okay. and you choose as many cards from your hand as you want, you've got some that can affect to, to move yeah. countries around and things, you place them face down and then you reveal and whoever has the highest total yeah. wins the trade deal with that country. And you do have secret objectives that incentivize you towards maybe going after like European or Commonwealth countries. But it it feels like it's got a long way to go okay. before it's ready for for even Kickstarter. And I, and I know there's a certain argument that Kickstarter is just where you're pitching. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, we know from experience the Kickstarter audience is pretty much expecting a finished yeah, product. Yeah. Um, at least as far as design yeah, goes. goes. Um, I, I mean, that's not to say that you can't change things. Yeah, things change yeah. all the time during Kickstarters and people yeah. listen to feedback. But I'm just curious as well. It, actually, from you talking, it reminded me of some games that I played in an educational capacity uh -huh. um, when I worked in mental health, which was all about sort of exploring attitudes or exploring things that potentialities and stuff like that. Do you think maybe it's got more of an access, uh, a market in that avenue rather than mass sort of public? What what specifically do you mean? Like, well, I'm thinking thing? we so we. Um, in order to talk about the Scottish independence referendum, uh -huh. the Electoral Commission were coming round to community groups with a game called the Referendum Game, uh -huh. which was a two-sided argument um, where it just you picked questions and topics and it encouraged you to discuss. And it had nothing to do with your personal opinions. It had nothing to do... It was that way that you, you might have drawn an against card, even though you were for, no, you might have drawn no, a for card. No, because the difference with that kind of game is that it creates a stimulus for conversation. Okay. This doesn't do that. This is just a bluffing game with okay. a Brexit theme. But it Do you feel it feels it falls a bit short? I, I was really surprised when they told me it was going to Kickstarter on Tuesday. Right, okay. Because I thought I was playing like the first prototype. Okay. Um I guess we'll have to see what Kickstarter things about mm -hmm. it, but I I really wasn't that enamoured of it. Okay. Um it just felt like Giles and myself were going through the motions. There was nothing really that interesting happening. Okay. Um, we we'd suggested that maybe if it had more of a poker mechanic where okay. you bid 
you put a card down and then it passes to the next player and they have a chance to up the ante yeah. or to call, yeah. then maybe it would be a bit more interesting, but yeah. there's not, there was not really much to it. Okay. Other games I've played, because I think that, that more or less covers off my trip around the exhibitor stands, but I, I got the chance to play some games with the the Tabletop Scotland guys. Oh, yes. So I, I, I'm continuously surprised by the amount of people that have not heard of Koi. Yes. Though one one of the shops, one of the retailers was stocking it. Yeah. A single copy, which was then bought by somebody that we knew who played it. Well, it, it was exactly. bought by Greg, who yeah. I, I, I'd showed um, Greg, uh, David and Duncan. I think Terry was away at this point. It was Greg, David, and Duncan, myself. It was four of us playing. Because um, I, I brought my copy of Koi down. Mm-hmm. Because quite a few people before Aircon was happening said, can you bring Koi along? Because yeah. um, a lot of them haven't heard of it um, or had only heard of it when we announced it was our game of the, the year, year. Yeah. and then wanted to play it to see what all the fuss was about. Um, but I'm quite pleased to say that everyone that plays it is really impressed by yeah. it. And uh, like you said, Greg um, ran away and what the only copy. copy and then uh the bag with the, the traveling man bag was sat on the table so you, you couldn't see what was in it so duncan the uh, nosy chap that he is uh, <laughs> when he saw the bag on the table opened it up to take a look and when he saw it was quite it was a sense of bastard because <laughs> so, it was only one copy, copy. in the whole yeah. the whole um center and he he had hoping he was hoping to get it but, yeah. but greg uh greg, greg got, got it. it but later that night I played a game called Cockroach Poker for the first time. Yes, yes, you did. Why are you sighing? Because <laughs> you made me go out and buy it for you. I know, because <laughs> I, I couldn't find it anywhere and I really wanted a copy after I played it. Um, so we, Iona and I went back up to Games Crusade to find a copy. Yay. We got one. <laughs> yeah, we did. Um, so I, I played this with um, the same guys I played yeah. Koi with, basically, plus Terry. Terry. Um, and it is so much fun. I do think that the level of enjoyment that, that you could get from this game is probably quite dependent on who you play it with. Yeah, yeah. Because all it is is you have eight suits in the game, and they're different creepy crawlies like yeah. bats, cockroaches, and there's eight copies of each card. You shuffle them all together, and you deal them out evenly amongst all the players. And the the object of the game, basically, is to, to try and... Uh, fob off these creatures yeah. to other people you play them face down um and you can you can choose to be honest or you can choose to just lie and <laughs> say to someone for example that's a cockroach yeah. under there that person then has to make a decision on whether or not that person's lying or whether they just want to have a look at the card and maybe try and pass, pass it, it off to, to someone else but it's got a a win condition that i've not seen in any other game before and that's if if one player loses, then all the rest win. Yeah. And you get this brilliant melding of theme and mechanic because it encourages you to be this disgusting <laughs> Weasley creature and like to all gang up on your pal in the most horrible way. Yeah. And the artwork's brilliant. You know that it's the, it's the you know this really the really thick bold yeah uh, lines yeah. on these cartoony looking animals and you know it's I just love yeah. it. I think it's a great game. Yeah. So we played it again on Sunday night. We did. 
um, and I, I, I lost, and it was, but we were in fits of laughter, and it's a, a dangerous space to let the pregnant woman be in a fit of laughter. That was a dangerous, dangerous I'll, time for everyone. I will bail there. <laughs> Full responsibility for that. <laughs> evidently, a very small accident, but it was um, it was great fun. I really enjoyed it. I had no idea what I was doing. I still have no idea what I was doing. What better testimony uh, can you give for a game than actually rushing out to go and buy a copy yourself? <laughs> yeah. So the other thing that we did on Saturday night, we appeared in Famipol's Famipol Fortune. Famipol Fortunes. Fortunes. fortunes, yes, I yeah. can never get my tongue around that. Yeah. So that was the the live event um put on by um I Play Red. So yeah. cat cat yeah. hosting and Rob, Rob as the techno wizard <laughs> with the laptop. Why are you laughing? And the uh, clicky. Yeah. Clicky. You get the <laughs> going. Um. So we were in the reviewers team, um, alongside Rodney Smith. Uh, Paul Hedren Collider and Paul Grogan. Yep. So uh, you think that'd be a great meeting of minds? A great. Those questions were so hard, though. <laughs> I don't know who they did those surveys with, but um, I was saying to Rodney afterwards that it made me question all of my choices. <laughs> what am I doing here? What am I doing In with life. my life? <laughs> but we we did win. The viewers the viewers team did really well. They considering actually, they were all smashed they were all smashed and actually I think they did better than us in the actual rounds didn't they because we won the uh, the final round but I think during the preceding rounds they actually did better than us the yeah the initial rounds they were stomping us yeah. but then we um we clawed we it, it back. back we it back didn't feel like a win though <laughs> no but it was good fun it was lots of it was just, yeah, it was good fun. Everyone was enjoying themselves. And yeah. the, the main thing is, it's maybe easy to say this when you've won, yeah. but the main thing is with something like that, I think, was that everyone was entertained. Yeah, and it was really nice getting to meet, you know, like actually sit down with people in a sort of yeah. fun capacity. Yeah, brief as it was, it was nice to, you know, to get to chat to all of the guys on yeah. our team. Because you do talk to the people on your team yeah. more, obviously, but... Yeah. Um, and Kat and Rob did a great job they entertaining did. everyone um, with a bunch of really weird prizes. Oh, the prizes were phenomenal, I have to say. Yeah. The prizes were phenomenal. We got a, an upgrade goodie bag with just an assortment of bits and bobs that we could use to upgrade any or all of our games. contained this nightmare Santa <laughs> with no, with no face. face. <laughs> I thought, I've forgotten what's in the bag, to be honest. Like, maybe that's his dark power. This faceless Santa so just, makes you forget what's in the bag, but there's lots of different. No, he things. just makes you forget. forget. <laughs> Who are we? What just are peering we? into the void in his face. Because <laughs> it's not even that he doesn't have a face. There's no. There's no face. There's there's like a space it's, where his face should be. <laughs> it's like a Nazgul. Yeah, yeah. He's just got like his whoop. Nothing, but there's like a Santa beard and red yep. hat on it, and then a hole. You know, it's not even like he's got. Yeah, like, yeah. It's like no the Naz. There's a gaping no void. <laughs> yeah. So that that was good fun and well done to to everyone that took part. It was great fun. So what did we do after that then? Because we were there all Saturday night, weren't we? We were there late, I think. Yeah. Well, you you went to you went to see Jolly Boat. After oh, I that. went to the Jolly Boat, of course. Yeah. Jolly Boat always fantastic. Mm-hmm. Um, I took Iona. I did tell Iona 
you're going to love these. You're going to love them. They got a great turnout. I think of yes. all the of all the events, that yeah. that one was packed. But Jolly Boat have their own dedicated following. Yeah. I think some people might have just came for Jolly Boat. Oh no, honest. I'm fairly certain they did. <laughs> there was quite a few people rocking yeah. the t-shirts yeah. and all that. So I've seen them. I saw them at the UK Expo, UK Games Expo, and I saw them again at the Fringe. Mm-hmm. And this performance, Bards Against Humanity. Um, I think they did do some newer pieces that you hadn't seen, but I had seen at the Fringe. Yeah. Um, so I knew all the songs, which are great, because I meant I could sing along. Um, but yeah, had a great time. And I'm looking forward to going seeing them on the 13th of June, when they come to Glasgow. Yes. Yes. That'll be nice. Look Might even that. get to catch up with them a yes. bit, because they're always rushing around when yes, we see them. Yes, they are. I think that, that covers the bulk of our Aircon experience. There's that one was, that was that was just Friday Saturday. That was Friday Sunday. Saturday. Um, well, Sunday, I got to play a game called. I played a game called Quacks of Quedlinburg, so I'd been sitting playing some games with Greg and Terry, in the in the open the viewing gallery, mm. the sort of conservatory bit on the side of the the centre, um, and. I played a couple of games of Hive with Greg, and then I got them to play Ruthless, yes. which I, I'd, I'd picked up a copy of that um, over the weekend. Um, so Terry then says, anyone want to play Quacks? And he, he pulls this box out, and it's the most German-looking yeah. game. I saw a big, jolly medieval merchant on the front, isn't it? It's yeah, quite... but it's really, like, it looks a wee bit tacky, yeah. to be honest. <laughs> yeah. And... But it completely belies the game inside because it, it, it's such a lovely game to look at. Yeah. It's got all these amazing components, but it's called Quacks of Quedlinburg. That's its full name, um, which is a horrible name <laughs> for a game. And it, it has the most hideous box, but it's so much fun. Yeah. So you've got this little bag full of all these ingredient tokens and you've got the cauldron in front of you and you're trying to brew the best potions. But if you draw too many white tokens, you blow yourself up and it all goes wrong. So there's this push-your-luck element. And you're doing it all at the same time and you're and you know, you're looking over at the other people and you're seeing that they're a bit heady and you're like, oh, hurry up and blow yourself up. <laughs> and I, I got so into it. Yeah. But and it's got it's got these little uh, rubies yeah and it's just if, if you like pretty games play quacks yeah. of quedlinburg it won kennerspiel dr's 2018 oh, okay. and i have to say it is the first time i find myself in full agreement of okay. a spiel dr's decision okay, good, good. um i loved it and i am going to buy a copy because it is a great game good good so i think whilst you were playing that it was Iona's birthday. It was. So why don't you tell the audience about... <laughs> so anybody who knows Iona, um, anybody who's listened into our Secret Santa episodes, will know that Iona loves llamas. And she's, alpacas. And alpacas. Uh, she loves them. She, she just goes mental for them. So with that knowledge, yeah. and the knowledge that it was her birthday, why don't you regale the audience with what uh, so what happened <laughs> when Iona was out the room uh, back at the Airbnb I quietly said to Mark and Charlotte um, I'm, I'm going to get Iona a copy of Alta Plano the llama game yeah. that was what you'd said uh, yeah because <laughs> I thought I thought irrespective of of whether or not she actually likes the game yeah 
she would like to own it. Yeah. As a yeah. collector of llama things. Yes. So I thought it was a sure bet. Um, so Mark had said that, um, and I'd forgotten, that Mark had said that he was going to see if there was yeah. a copy. Because he left a wee bit earlier, so he could go into the yeah, ring and, he, and he have went a look. A, he went a bit earlier, and then I I went in and uh, was queuing for Iona, and I said, right, I don't want, uh, I don't want you. I'm just going to tell you because I don't want you trying to argue your way out of this. <laughs> We're going to buy you a game because it's your birthday. And to be fair, she was very flattered, but you know the the fact that she didn't tell anyone it was her yeah. birthday, she didn't want it to be a thing. Yeah. But we went telling everyone it's Iona's <laughs> birthday today, so it meant that all these people were wishing her well, yeah. which, you know, which was nice for her. So I went to the bring and buy. Uh, on my way there, I get a, ta- a text from Mark. And bear in mind that we've all been doing stuff, yeah. and it just says I got it. So I text him back, "What are you talking about?" <laughs> Because you thought he was maybe talking about a distribution I thought deal maybe for Rick and Ruth. Yeah, I didn't know what he was talking about. So I went to bring him by. I got Altiplano and I took it over to put it in my bag, which Mark was keeping for me at the stand. And I got a copy of the Rick Shank Redemption for you, which is Woo! one of the Rick and Morty games because yes. um, you really like them. And I'm taking my little stack of games over to put them in the bag. And Mark's giving me this funny look. Uh, what's, what's this guy's problem? And he looks up at me and he goes, I already got it. And he pulls back the jacket and there's another copy of Altiplano. The only two that were in the bring and The only two in the bring and buy and we like a pair of idiots bought them both. So, yeah. So that was our experience with the bring and buy. <laughs> Absolutely no way a reflection on the aircon staff, no, no. but rather... <laughs> Our inability to communicate effectively. Yeah. yeah. So I only did get one copy of it, and I think Mark kept the other one. And I'm going to buy a copy of it because I really enjoyed it. So we're going to between our little circle have <laughs> three, three copies. copies of it. Um. So I played that with uh, Duncan because Duncan had played it before, and he said, "Well, if you want to play it, I'll I'll show you how to play it." Yeah. And I really enjoyed it. I felt as if I felt at first I was like, "Gosh, there's a lot going on here. There's a, I don't understand this board." But it's like, oh, okay, I've got my head around that. I know what it is. And it just seemed, for me, I, just, I felt a bit, I was saying it's a bit like Lords of Waterdeep, but with some more moving pieces. Mm-hmm. But I really, or a bit, a bit more fluid, fluidity, I think I'd say. You reckon? Yeah, I really enjoyed it. And I, I, would, I, think, I think you and Josh would both really like it too. Mm-hmm. Also, the first player piece is a giant llama. What's not to like? Oh, sorry, an alpaca. I take that back, an alpaca. Okay. And you can buy alpacas. It's great. What more would you As want? As part of the game. Yeah. Because you can buy alpacas in real, li- yeah, real life. Yeah. but You won't let me. Well, space is an issue. Okay. But, but just, you'd let me have Altiplano? It just it, it sounded initially like you were just making a statement. You can buy alpacas, <laughs> which is true. <laughs> yes. But you can also buy them in the game. Yes. Um, yeah. And I think Duncan showed you through that because he, I think he did say that it's a tough one to wrap your yes. head around playing it the but first once time you do it, and i think it's one of those ones that if we hadn't had somebody there telling us how to play it yeah it maybe would have taken us a bit longer to be like what is going on here yeah. and we've had this discussion recently in weeks about actually because it was ruthless that what about ruthless we played it wrong for the first five or six times it wasn't as many as that but with the first few times, times we, we played, played it, it we we got yeah. a couple of, of rules wrong yeah but we found it quite interesting because when you played at uk games expo 
uh, Roland Roland McDonald, who Roland designed McDonald's, the game, was yeah. there, and he spoke you through how to play it. Yeah. Um, and I'd I'd never really considered that that actually you do need to. You do need to leave people with a rule book sometimes and it's then their interpretation of the rule book. Well, this is something that, that John touched upon in his talk that yeah. um, you need to have playtesters and rules writers who really know what they're doing yeah. uh, come in to your project who are not working on the development of the yeah. game because the problem is that the designer is too embedded in, in yeah. the game yeah. um, and is able to just rattle off things and is maybe a little bit blind yeah. to yeah. Um, explaining that effectively yeah. at times. Yeah. So having Duncan there really helped because I think if I and I were doing it ourselves we maybe would, wouldn't have got yeah. through it quite as... Because it's quite a long game. It's about a two-hour game, I think it was. Yeah. Probably would take us about three hours if we had to stop and look at the rules every every so often. Yeah. So the, the Sunday... Um, we took things at a, a much more leisurely pace. And and for me, I think that if you don't have any interest in doing open gaming, then... It's maybe just a one-day event for you. Then maybe Aircon's probably a one-day event. But the emphasis has always been on that. Um, but the, the exhibitors did seem as though they were a bit quieter last year. And I don't know if this is... Um, a sort of knock-on effect of the the convention getting that bit bigger because they've got the hall upstairs now. Yeah. So it means that the exhibiting area is no longer central. Yeah, yeah. The other thing as well is I felt that coming in, as much as it looks pretty, um, they have the big aircon uh, letters and then they have like a, star, a, a wall of lights. Uh-huh. But actually the wall of lights partitioned off the exhibit hall. So yep. you can actually walk in and not see the visitor, the exhibitor hall at all, uh-huh. and you can miss it, and you could just walk past and you know go on to something else. And I think you need to make the exhibitor hall more visible. Yeah, I think so. I I struck. I I wanted to um to actually sell some games in the bring and buy, because I I wanted to um to be able to relate that um to our audience. Yeah. Uh, I thought that that would be quite an interesting little exercise to to just talk someone through the process of doing that, but the the difficulty that I had was um, I wanted to try and register the stuff on the website yeah. prior to the event, and I I had an awful time with that website. Yeah. Um, I went to I had to create an account first yeah. of all, which is that's fairly standard. It's, Bit of a headache because you've got accounts for everything now, but how else can they do that? That's that's just the way it is. Um, so went to create my account. Uh, I think it was like three days yeah. before my confirm confirmation email came in, and by that point, and this is my own fault, I'd forgotten the password. Yeah. But the problem was when I went to do the the uh, password recovery. Yeah. I typed in my email address, which has been confirmed this point, and I know because I've waited three days to do it, and it didn't recognise my email. Yeah. I don't know what was wrong with their system, but I after that I just decided to to patch the bring and buy thing because it it put me off. But I, you know, but from what I could see, other people were successfully using the bring and buy. And, yeah. and maybe yeah. if I just brought the games along, but I just with what all the other stuff that I had to do. 
I did have a couple of appointments to keep. Yeah. Um, yeah. I thought I, I can't be spending all that time. Uh, a load of time standing yeah. in queues, and sometimes the bring and buy queues are very long. Yeah. I don't think they're too yeah. bad at Aircon. I think yeah. they do have that. They've they've got yeah. a pretty slick operation now with the barcode printing and all yeah. that. But, yeah. Um. One of my things with the I think the um the convention has outgrown the website. I think the website does need to be updated and a bit more in depth because it's it's a so one of those websites where it's actually just like four pages uh-huh. and everything's on those four pages. But there's so much going on that you can't always find what you're looking for. Well, I, I couldn't find an exhibitor list. And it, it, it transpired that they did have it, but it was in the FAQ yeah. section. Yeah. Which was, I, I would have thought that the sensible thing... I'm not questioning. No, I am questioning what they've done. I would have thought the sensible thing would have been to to have a tab. What I'm thinking, just yeah. exhibitors, and then you click on yeah. that, and it shows you everyone that's. But there. that's what I'm thinking. As I'm thinking that their their structure of the website doesn't allow for that. Yeah. And that's why they then had to find places to put the information. They've tried to shoehorn things. Yeah. In. Whereas I think the website does need to. It needs a full reboot. Needs a full reboot, and it, you mean. Make it navigable. Make it so that you can find this. You can find that. No, I think I think you're probably right, and it's a good shout that that maybe a lot of these things have been tacked on as they go, yeah. rather than ever getting a, a full overhaul, which is what it, it probably needed does need. Yeah. Um, what was good though, and I did I did enjoy. I downloaded the Fan Guru app. Yeah. For it, and that had all the details on it. That had all the events. That had all the exhibitors uh, and stuff on it. So. Um, that was really good to just have sort of on about. It did send you constant, you got constant pop ups being like, "Did you know this is starting? This is happening. We're closing soon." This time, I like, but like, I like done, that though. It's like, get out. Yeah, we're shut. <laughs> we're it didn't, it didn't say get out. It said, it said the the show is now closed. Okay. Please make your yeah. way to the exit. But yeah. I just liked that the app was like, right. It's time to leave, guys. Piss off. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, no, I enjoyed that. So. At the same time, I'm going to be devil's advocate here. It is a bit annoying that a lot of the conventions seem to be trying to push you down this road of using the app. Yeah. I like an app, though. I like having... The app's good, but at the same time, why can we not have Tannoy announcements and things? Yeah, yeah. But then, if it's open gaming, I guess that would maybe annoy people. Um, They do have a programme. Yeah, yeah. But it's a very very small one. It would maybe be good if it had a wee bit more information in it. But Aircon's a good show. I yeah. really like um, going there. It it has a more relaxed yeah. and friendly feel to it. I, I think that if you are purely going to conventions to see what's new and what's going on, then Aircon's probably not for you. No. Um, because it, it's, more, it's more of a sort of hobby show, I think. Yeah, yeah. Where it's like, come along, play some games, and then yeah. maybe have a look at what some designers mm-hmm. have brought along. But that being said, I don't think that I would want to go to Aircon if there were no exhibitors. Yeah, yeah. I like having both there. Yeah, I like seeing what's new, but also having the time to sit and game yeah. and do stuff. And I think that's the, the feeling you get from the whole of the convention, really, yeah. I think. And the guys do a great job. They do. It. They really do. They really do. But I, 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 th- I think that it's starting to get 
a little bit bigger and there's 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 maybe a little bit of trial and error taking I, place. I think it's maybe got a bit bigger than they had anticipated and it's a bit as if they're catching up with the convention rather than the convention well, following yeah, suit. Yeah, it, it might just be me and, you know, maybe just because I was sort of fresh on the scene at that point, but, but last year it felt that, that it was a bit more organised. I think it's maybe they're struggling with managing that area. Yeah, there's a, it's, a, it's a, it's a big space. Yeah, because it's you, you need to think about how everything's laid out um, for football and things yeah. like that, because the exhibitor area was quiet yeah. this yeah. year. And there was a, I think there was a couple of people um, had said yeah. that it was quieter than they thought it would be. There was a lot of people as well that said they didn't know there was an upstairs, you know. And I know that maybe one of the ways that Tabletop Scotland got around that, as much as I don't know if it was actually in the original plan, was that within the RPG so much was upstairs, they did put some shops. That's a good idea, yeah. So that you knew if you wanted to go see West End Games, they were upstairs. So it does encourage you to yeah. explore yeah. the whole place. Well, yeah, there's our thoughts on Aircon. Good fun. Good uh, fun. Great chance to meet up with oh. uh, some UK-based folk. We'll have links and names and tags and all that in the show notes, and yes. we've already mentioned a bunch Loads of people. Of um, but this episode's gone on long enough. Yes, it's grown arms and legs. <laughs> it's time to go. I am parched. Yes. And the cat is going off his nut. Yes, because we've not been here. He's now all over us. Yeah. And he wants fed too, so on that note... <laughs> On that note, we'll draw this episode to a close. Yes. Uh, Thanks very much for listening, guys, and we'll catch you next time. Bye.